this is Robert Picardo, the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager and Commander Woolsey from Stargate Atlantis. If I only get in Star Wars someday, I will have made the trifecta. And you're listening to Neil Before Pod, because you are smart. Neil Before Blog presents... Neil Before Pod. My name is Craig McKenzie, and I'm definitely not the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw so many comic books and became obsessed. Then the internet made me someone who comments on them. To the outside world, I'm a slightly functional human being, but blatantly I use my nerdiness to comment extensively and find others like me. One day, I'll blend into society, but that day is not today. This is Neil Before Pod. So joining me from an as-yet-undisclosed future, past, present, alternate timeline, it's Chris. Hello. Hello. How is your future, past, undisclosed, alternate... I can't remember what I said. That thing that I said. How is that? Yeah, I'm from the future in the alternate universe. Ah. Yeah, I know. It's very easy to get me confused with the me from the alternate universe that's in the present timeline and me from the other alternate universe who is in the past but has travelled to the future. Does that, does that mean you travel back in time just to ruin another timeline just for the sake of it? Yeah, just for giggles. Yeah, because, like, yeah, I don't want to change my past. I'm okay with changing these people's pasts. So oh, right. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, my past is canon, but everyone else's past is just, no. Nah, yeah, it can be whatever I want. Stuff them. Um, alternate universities are just for playing with. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, so, before we start talking about The Flash, our favourite show... <laughs> judging by previous podcasts uh, we will start with uh, Neil Before Rise Against and I really need to get a musical cue for that because it's kind of boring that I just keep having to say it uh, future thought perhaps so you can go first because I've got plenty in case I steal yours by accident what are we doing are we kneeling kneeling or rising first we always kneel first we kneel first. Yeah. Okay, I can't remember if I have mentioned this one or not, but you're going to either shoot me down in flames or say, Chris, well done, you've come up with something new that you haven't mentioned on a previous podcast. Um, but I'm going to do um, the BBC, who have managed to make a deal with FX. Um, so they've picked up a few US shows from FX, including American Crime Story and uh, Donald Glover's new show, Atlanta. A bit. Uh, this new deal sort of means that they're going to be securing all uh, current and forthcoming original comedy and drama series airing on FX. It's all going to appear on the BBC over in the UK, which I think is pretty cool. So what are FX going to do? Just show you repeats of... Show you repeats of what the BBC have got. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to become the new Dave. Yeah, <laughs> but it means, it means those of us without Sky subscriptions and whatever now get to see the stuff. Which well, is some, cool. Some some of us can't watch live TV. Can you not? Are you are you, are you off the grid? Um, no, legally I can't watch live TV. Ah. <laughs> um, this is why I commute to America and sit at On. a friend's house to watch The Flash. <laughs> On a frequent basis. <laughs> On a frequent basis, yeah. It, it does. It takes some time. It's like a ten-hour journey each way. But, you know, it's worth it. Yeah. I thought you were just going to say you watch everything on the Plus One channels, so you're not watching live TV. As long as it's on a Plus One channel, you're all right. 
Is that true? Oh, that's another. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no, I don't actually have a box that I can plug in. Well, I do have a box. I don't have anything to connect it to. No aerial or dish or anything like that, so I can't watch live stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, you are missing out on news and stuff. Oh, I get the news. That's what Twitter's for. <laughs> or rather, you get people's truncated opinions of the news. And, and that's usually enough for me. I'm just like, nah, that's cool. I'll, uh, that sounds legit. Your, uh, your uh, hastily researched opinion is enough for me. <laughs> yeah, they're getting all the FX shows. I didn't know that. I can't remember if you've brought that up before. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Hello to, hello to me in the past if I yeah. did. Does that mean they'll get the gifted? I'm guessing so. I don't know if it applies to ones that are already on air. So the way it's it's listed in this article is that it's going to be forthcoming original comedy and drama series airing on FX in the States will appear in the UK on BBC. But I don't know if that applies for ones that have already come out. So if they've already been released, because it might be that deals have already been signed for them. So there might be a running contract for shows like yeah. The Gifted. Fair dude. Um... Cool. Uh, I don't really have much to say on that. You'll need to send me the link for the show notes so I can um, I will do. add it in and not find it myself. For my Neil Before, I'm going to go for into the video game world. And I'm going to Neil Before what I've seen of the Resident Evil 2 remake. Ooh. It isn't out yet. Uh, apparently, today as I record this, there is a demo that I can download on the, my PS4 that lets me play it for half an hour. And then never play it again. So I can either get to the end point of the demo, because there's only so much of it, which you can apparently achieve in about 15 or so minutes. Or I can just muck about, run around and explore. But after that half hour's up, I can't play it again. Uh, so that's quite cool. But it, it does come out in like two weeks. So it's not as if, you know, it's not a big deal in, in terms of like not being able to play it again. But um, So I've got it pre-ordered. Uh, I had a voucher to spend, so I pre-ordered the Steelbook Edition, um, which I'm eagerly anticipating. It just looks amazing. Graphically, it looks great. The atmosphere looks great. The It looks terrifying. I mean, um, I stopped playing Resident Evil 7 because I got to a point that terrified me so much that I haven't wanted to go back to it since. Um I'm not really scared by films or TV or whatever, but video games, they get to me because I have to deal with the problem that comes crashing in um, or or however it enters my life. So, yeah, I'm really apt for it. Resident Evil 2 is probably one of my favourite games of all time, the original one. I mean, it's dated as hell now, but it's still amazing. You know, and the, this remake looks like they've pulled out all the stops, so I can't wait to play it. I like that they're doing that now, where they're giving people little 30-minute teasers. I'm also a fan of the way they do it on uh, Steam where they let you play it for sort of 24 hours and if you're not enjoying it, you can get a refund with no questions asked, basically. You can go, listen, played it, didn't like it, give me my money back, and you get it. So you could just blitz it and like finish it? Blitz it in 24 hours, hours, but then the the, the incentive to the games people is to make it so that it's not something that you just... (laughs) Don't make it disposable, make it something that you want to come back to. Yeah, but if you're uh, even downloading after the new Call of Duty, you can clear the campaign in like four hours. So, like, I'm assuming that the the game manufacturers want you to play it for longer. But 
here we go. Well, they want you to play stuff like that online. And online, an and with your friends and all that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. It's it's one of those things. But basically, if you're if you're only doing a certain amount of gameplay, then you you can get a refund, which is nice uh, from their part. Um, yeah, the little I've only seen little clips on a couple of game sites. I've not seen the actual live play uh, yet, but it looks it looks pretty good. Resident Evil. I don't have a PlayStation, unfortunately. I just you know sit and play chess by myself uh, <laughs> at night. But um, but yeah, I mean it looks it looks very good. I've got a very underpowered PC for playing games, so normally I have to have it on the lowest uh, quality setting so that a couple of pixels fight to the death, <laughs> uh, or at least that's pretty much what happens every time I uh, try and game on my computer. Yeah, well, I mean, this could have possibly been its own nail before, but I'll say it anyway. The, the like, have you heard about that cloud computing solution that that's sort of coming out, where you can like install games on a a cloud server of some sort and basically stream them, so that you don't need to have a high powered PC in order to play like high end games. Ah, well, that's quite a neat idea. I like the I like the sound of that. Yeah, um, because the thing is, what puts me off. Uh, PC gaming and what used to put me off it as well was you might get this game you spend what 30 quid on it or whatever you get it home and then you put it in you install it and it just won't run because for whatever reason your PC is not equipped to run it even though you think you've got the specs it just won't run and it just feels sort of random as to whether it might run on your PC or not maybe you've got a piece of software that's clashing with it and that you'll never find you know stuff like that but at least with a console, you put it in. These days, you wait the um, six or seven hours for it to download all its updates and install itself, and and then you finally play it. But at least you'll know that you buy a PS4 game, it will definitely work. Whereas the um, PC games won't necessarily. That used to annoy me. Yeah, it can be one of those things where, nope, you've got the wrong version of this and you've not updated your video card drivers and now you've got to do this, 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 this and this. Okay, now it works. <laughs> oh no, we've posted an update, it's broken again. And you're like, oh. Updated my video card driver, so yeah, this game doesn't support that video card. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just want to play Theme Park. <laughs> yeah, I want to play Theme Park Tycoon. Get me in here now. <laughs> Why can't I run it on my old DOS machine? What's going on? <laughs> Windows 3.1 is secure. It's fine. <laughs> so that's it for Neil before. Uh, what is your rise against? Um, I am going to rise against every toy known to man having its own movie. <laughs> what, what has been announced that's caused this? There is a trailer out there in the wild for the Playmobil movie, which looks like a parody of something. And there is now announced a Barbie movie. And I'm beginning to think, do you know what, enough. I think the drawing line was Tetris, though I know it's more of a video game thing than this. And Pixels, I suppose, was not particularly great. But yeah, I think... Can we have a little a little pause in the every toy having a rights deal for a movie coming out anytime soon? Let's let's just take it at a nice slow pace and not have everything out there at once. Well, people will be trying to capitalise on the success of the Lego movie and, oh, yeah. um, and and turning whatever property they've managed to squeeze the rights out of into a film. Um, it depends who's involved with it, though. I mean, if the you know if the Playmobil movie is taken as seriously as the um, the Lego movie, then it could be um, amazing. Although I don't think it will be. 
Um, I think the concept is that uh, due to magic, people, uh, due to magic, a couple of kids get stranded in Playmobil, <laughs> in the real world of Playmobil, or the fake world of Playmobil. I don't know, but yeah. Hmm. There's there's the summary of the Playmobil movie <laughs> before it comes out. I, I don't know. I, I just have the feeling that it's a lot of these are, well, the Lego movie worked, so we can put anything in this particular way and it'll work. And I think even even with the Lego movie 2 coming up, I don't know if that's going to be particularly great. I kind of feel that the first Lego movie, you're like, yeah. And then the Lego Batman one was like, okay. And then they did the Ninjango Ninjago or whatever the the other one's called and I was like and it's beginning to wear thin <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile all these other ones coming out at the same time so yeah, yeah. I loved the Lego Batman movie actually I thought it was it was really well put together but oh I thought yeah. it was good I thought it was I good I mean I thought the Lego movie was great I enjoyed the Lego Batman and then I just feel that there's a rule of diminishing returns that then starts kicking in maybe the Lego movie 2 will win me over however they have been sold off to DFS for ad- advertising, which kind of makes me feel <laughs> that this is a poor start <laughs> on their uh, on their part. But uh, it's one of those ones where you go, did the Lego Movie people pay DFS to be in their adverts, or did DFS pay the Lego Movie people to get the Lego Movie characters in their thing? Who knows? Good question. Who writes uh, these deals? Like, who can we have? We reached out to a spokesperson for DFS, <laughs> and they told us, Stop calling us. <laughs> I just work in the shop. I don't know. Do you What's... want a sofa or not? <laughs> it's like, no, nah, I've already got a sofa. And they're like, well, go away. <laughs> so they don't know anything at branch level about this deal, but, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a bit excessive. Although, I mean, I struggle to be annoyed by it because the thing is, Everything that's everything's getting chucked at this the, the big screen at the moment, you know anything that might have some form of an audience, it's just getting, you know, adapted in some way. So, um, I'm, I think they've already been Barbie films, but they were like straight to DVD, and I think they were just like stories starring, you know, like I don't know, like Cinderella and stuff, but with Barbie in it, and I don't know, um, I haven't seen them, so I don't know, but. Yeah, everything's getting... I mean, we've got the Emoji movie, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah, that's the one that I forgot. The Emoji movie. So, yeah, it's just going to keep happening. The only way to stop it is by not going to see it. (laughs) You hear that, kids? Yeah, we're relying on you. (laughs) Stop dragging your parents to see it. Go and see all the nostalgic crap that I like so that they keep making it. Yeah, we need more of you going to see Star Trek so that it gets... <laughs> we get that. Where, where were you when Power Rangers was out? <laughs> I mean, the the only thing that might be going for the Barbie movie is it is starring Margot Robbie. So, Like everything else. Like everything else, it is all potentially starring Margot Robbie, who is attached to every, every project under the sun. Yeah. Well, speaking of Margot Robbie, oh. my rise against... Isn't really. I'm not. I'm not necessarily rising against the thing itself. I'm rising against the title of the thing itself. So the the Birds of Prey movie is apparently happening. So that's a surprise. DC are actually apparently making a film. <laughs> so, uh, but they've decided to call it Birds of Prey brackets 
and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Close brackets. Ah, so so is that that is the true title? Because I'm sure that there was something about that title that came out, and everyone went, <laughs> "Oh, someone's someone's released the fake thing." Oh, that's funny. And well, re- so that is genuinely the title. The reveal was that Margot Robbie, like it was a script that Margot Robbie had apparently doodled on, and then they confirmed that no, no, that's what it's called. <laughs> it's like, do you guys just hate Twitter? <laughs> what, what was wrong with Birds of Prey? It, I mean, it suggests that this is just going to be a Harley Quinn movie with some supporting characters. Yeah, I don't know. Is is it that they've got to attach a character that people already know to it? Whereas if they just called it Birds of Prey, that a lot of people would go, oh, I've got no idea what that is. Well, I mean, you would you would think that the title makes bugger all difference because it hasn't, you know... Yeah, if, you ma- if you're if yeah. making a good movie, have yeah. um, have faith in it. Yeah. Does it does it need you to go, oh, and this character that people liked in the other movie yeah it's a stupid title basically so that's why I'm rising against it I don't know anything about what the film will actually be but I'm rising against the stupid title the thing is it doesn't really a lot of these ones it's like the semicolons and the brackets and everything it doesn't matter because most people will refer to it as birds of prey Oh yeah, when I finally review it, it'll be hashtag birds of prey, hashtag movie review. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a lot of people are just going to cut it off because, it's, it, first of all, no one's going to want to type all that in. I can't spell emancipation. <laughs> so it's, um, so it's, it's not going in there, you know? Yeah. So that's it for our Neil Before Rise Again section. That was painless. Hey. Very painless. Okay. So let's move on to the main event. So The Flash has another season. Unfortunately, due to lack of internet problems, uh, we didn't do our first episode roundup as we normally do. Uh, and our mid-season roundup is pretty damn late this year, for some reason. Um, it just is. The Flash is back on TV sort of next week, so uh, it's a good time to chat about it, I guess. Uh, so what do you think of the season so far, without spoiling? Do you know what? It's actually been an okay season for The Flash. Um, I'm judging it on previous seasons, but this one, it's not been... I don't think it's been too bad, personally. I think Nora's been pretty good as a like a new addition. I think it's, it's sorted some of its problems out. Not all of them, but some of them. Um, it's not sort of spent ages and ages introducing a villain that kind of got right onto it and, and started working... There's been a couple of little surprises and bits in there, a couple of missteps, I think, but yeah, been okay. Yeah, I feel the same. I'm really impressed with how they've managed to... Well, they haven't quite managed to return to form. Uh, the heights of season one are still a bit off yet, but there's a conscious effort to make, the, make it better. And that's that's enough for... Well, it's not enough for me, but it's good. It's, it's a good start. I think, with, yeah, the, as you say, they've... they've t- identified the problems and just decided to get on with it and and fix it and 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 kind of take advantage of the the good things that they do have um try and do things a little differently with the characters um the infusion of Nora as a new character has been good the villain is um much better you know we're at a point that we would normally be at by about episode 16 or something you know, of a previous season, so I'm quite chuffed with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not dreading watching the show every week, so that's good. 
because that yeah because last season and the season before were such a drag so it's good to be feeling good about it again yeah and I think we've both shown that we're big enough to admit when it's getting better rather than just hating on the show as some people have accused me of in the past <laughs> well I think because it deserved knocking I think that's, yeah, that's the it, uh, yeah. I think that's the thing yeah, yeah it's like no nah, I'm not precious about hating something like, if I actually end up liking it I will uh, say because you know what am I trying to prove by saying that I don't like something yeah I don't have an agenda of any kind that's why I'd rather yeah I'd rather just watch stuff that I like uh, stuff that I don't like um, rather than just oh my god I like other shows in this universe so I'm stuck with this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool uh, I think we should just uh, go into spoiler time as opposed to flash time ooh okay yeah there we go <laughs> now we're free to talk normally so hey. yeah so we touched on it uh, in the spoiler-free side, but the inclusion of Nora and uh, she's had a bit of an effect on the cast. I think um, you know no one wins any prizes for guessing that she was Barry's daughter, because uh, of course she was. What else would she be? Um, and teasing that reveal was you know well it was one of the problems with season four because it didn't really because everybody knew and there was no point in in eking it out. But we're not here to talk about season four. Let's just forget about it. Even the hundredth episode forgot about season four. <laughs> it's like we need we need all this stuff. Let's go back in time to uh, season three very quickly. Uh, two, which was okay, and then we'll stick around one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to the good old days. It's like so skipping yeah. last year. <laughs> yeah, um, let's not go back to that one. Yeah, yeah. but Nora's been been a good uh, addition. I like Jessica Parker Kennedy in that role. The funniest thing is she is older than. The actors playing her parents, which is hilarious. She's <laughs> I didn't like, know her, that. Yeah, she's in her like early 30s and they're like late 20s. I think Grant Gustin just turned 30. Well, I might be making that up. Uh, anyway, she's been really good. Uh, they've done a lot more work with her relationship with Barry than they have with Iris. Although I like the sort of coldness that existed between them and the fact that it took them a little while, but not too long to tell you what that was, to tell you what caused it. Um, and the the relationship is, or both of the relationships have been evolving week on week as well, which is um, which is good because it's not the same old tired crap, you know, of people standing around in the um, in the control room or whatever it is in Star Labs just saying the same things every week. Uh, it's much better because you get the impression that, although it's very much no, this week Nora learns how to do this. This week Nora learns that. People die when they're trying to save the world. Sometimes, you know, and it's that kind of lesson of the week thing. But at least it's better than, uh, oh, we should stop keeping secrets from each other. Next week, I can't tell anyone about this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I shall lie about this for yeah. weeks. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so, definite progress there. Definite progress. Uh, do you like Nora? Yeah, I think Nora's been a real um, addition to the cast. I think it has allowed them to do a little bit more character work because it's it's introduced that different element of turning uh, Barry and Iris into parents or and especially with a sort of difficult situation, um, an unexpected situation. And I think that that's worked for both... Uh, 
introducing Nora's character, but also developing them a little bit. I think it's sort of tied that in. And it's given the writers, like you say, like a lesson of the week format that they can do again. Yeah. Uh, rather than... Not wanting to repeat what you've said, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a different way of putting it, but basically giving them something that they can focus on, as they've not been sort of trying to fight off a villain a week as well. They've done a couple of bits where they've been they've been given other characters a chance as well. So Cisco's had a little bit, Caitlin's had a little bit. Even Ralph hasn't been too bad in this season. So, yeah, I, I think Nora's um, helped with that because she is meeting these people for the first time. So it's given a, a chance for them to kind of refresh the characters a little bit in the way they act with each other. Yeah, and what I like about these sort of... Well, what I like about sci-fi is that it can give you a kind of perspective on an, on a real-world thing. Um, through the lens of something that's really unreal. So Nora might be from the future, but it is a story about a, you know parents that suddenly learn that they have a child um, and have to deal with that child being in their lives. Obviously, there's the added complication of, hey, this kid's way older than uh, you know, <laughs> than she should be. We um, we've missed out on all the young years stuff, but it is the same thing that. You know, someone uh, someone knocks on your door one day and now you have a kid. Um, which is good. And I think they've, they've done that really well. So what you had was um, Nora really excited to get to know her dad because she didn't know her dad. And then you had the, you know, you had the slight mystery around why doesn't she know her dad or why she's so fixated on being back in this time period. And then it's, so she never knew Barry because he disappeared when she was a baby in this newspaper headline that we keep seeing. Uh, which is a great way to sort of set it all up, tie it all together. And it gives her that kind of sense of loss. So she's had her whole life without him, so naturally she'd be curious. Um, They had the side of things where Iris has suppressed her powers. Uh, And you don't really know why, although you can sort of... You can sort of guess why. It's so distraught after losing Barry, she couldn't deal with raising a speedster on her own. All that, You know, there's all this sort of stuff that she could... uh, that could be the reason for it. I don't know why you don't just get Uncle Wally to help out, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, un- Uncle Wally, he'd be dead. Uh, <laughs> like, I, or no idea. No, in fact, Nora no, mentions he, he him, doesn't he? So he's alive, yeah. yeah. yeah he's alive, yeah. he's just always away somewhere. Did Wally vanish in Crisis too? It's like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. He's, maybe he's on another spiritual retreat. Wally, Wally likes his spiritual retreats. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm sure he said something, but I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really pay any attention to yeah. Wally. Yeah. Um, him and him and Iris had a falling out. <laughs> I, 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 like you say, I think that's the, the that's the thing is that her sort of discovering her parents and her dad, who she's sort of viewed as this hero, and then finding when she goes to the past that he's not a completed character yet as to who she remembers or who she's been told about. If you had only learned about your parents through stories that were passed on by friends, or if you've only read newspaper articles about someone, it's the the old thing of sort of never meet your heroes yeah. uh, thing. You'll find you'll find out what they're really like, and I like it's been that. But it's not as easy as sort of oh you you meet a celebrity and they're a bit rubbish. It's that's your dad. You've got to kind of 
go, oh, hang on, what I thought isn't isn't the truth, and I can't just sort of run away from it and go, well, I'm yeah. not going to meet them again. It's you know, this this is your uh, your hero and a family member. It's where you've come from. Yeah, well, all of our knowledge comes from the Flash Museum because Iris wouldn't talk about him for whatever reason. I guess because she's so upset. You know, she's a bit of a drama queen. That'll never change. <laughs> but, uh, so she's... Um, all she learns is these like heroic things that he apparently did. Uh, and the stories aren't complete. So it's just, this happened, and then the Flash rushed into action and, and solved the problem effortlessly because he's a hero. And that's the version of him that mm. she sees because she, that's all she knows because she knows of this kind of propagandist museum stuff and doesn't know the real details because I guess no one that knows him will talk about him around her. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why Cisco wouldn't talk about him. I guess he's maybe dead too. I don't know. Like, There's so much about that future we don't know. But for whatever reason, she's never sat and had a conversation with with anyone um, about what her father was really like. So the idea is she's in the, fu- in the past now and she realises that he's a person and he doesn't have the answers and she doesn't know about all the times they sit meandering in Star Labs being upset <laughs> that they can't defeat the villain. And it's like, you know, oh, look, we have to go and sit and talk about these emotional issues that we're having before before I'll have the motivation to run that little bit faster. Uh, you know, it's that that formula. And um, she doesn't understand the formula. She just thinks... She thinks her dad is like he was in the comics. You know, runs into danger, uh, always knows what to do. And always comes home, apart from that time that he didn't. <laughs> knows knows what to do immediately, and yeah. there's no there's no risk. You know, there's no risk to anyone. There's no way that anyone could could possibly die. Now, yeah. I know part of that will be because I'm from the future. I know exactly what's going to happen. I know that this person's alive. I know that this person uh, survived until this point. But then it sort of clicks that she's come home, she's changed things, or she's went back in time, she's changed yeah. things. So the sort of future that she knows is already gone. And she doesn't know everything. You know, she doesn't know it exactly. She didn't know that Ronnie had died, for example. Mm. Uh, she didn't know certain things. There's some villains that she's not so clued up on. It's, you know, as time goes on, and you imagine the, the, the people that came up with the accounts in the Flash Museum weren't intimately involved with the events themselves so they were only like here's the public perception of what happened here yeah and we've left we've left out all the b-rate villains as well (laughs) we took we took eyewitnesses account from this disturbance that the flash stopped and everyone talks about how he rushed in the danger and he kind of fought off the bad guy and knew what he was doing so for whatever reason she doesn't have these first-hand accounts i wonder if there will be an episode that that gives you a bit of background into nora's future like shows you what her setup was who she would work with who she would talk to who her friends were what kind of relationships she had what f- people in the future were were kind of kicking about whether that be Cisco or Caitlin or, or whoever else um, there's another show that's showing us a, a future in some detail that we haven't talked about mm. yet but um, maybe the, they might do a, a, a throwaway episode here or there to kind of flesh that out a bit I've always said The Flash should do you know these one shot sort of let's focus on someone else's perspective. And I almost thought they were doing that in the Nora episode, but they abandoned it early on. All, all that happens is she gives you the, you know, my name is Nora Allen, or Nora West Allen, and I'm, mm. you know, that, that's really all she does. And then she does the kind of closing account as well. 
Um, if it had been more from her perspective, it would have been great because I, I really like those sorts of episodes because it gives you an insight into how that person sees these other people. So could you imagine like an episode focused on Nora, the first episode of the season, granted, but it's an episode focused on Nora where she has to get to know these people. So what you've got is you only see what she sees and you kind of see how Barry acts from another point of view. Mm. Uh, You're not included in the other conversations that are going on about whether she can be trusted and what's going on. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the thing is, they they might still do something like that. Because of the way they've they've left it and teased the way that she's working, yeah, and who she's working with, <laughs> for whatever whatever reasons will become clear later. Um, I think there's still room for them to do an episode from her point of view or yeah. a more Nora focused episode, definitely to discover why she would do that. On the subject of her working with Thon. Um, I kind of wasn't expecting that, although I completely understand why she would. Because um, it goes back to the problem she has with Iris. So Iris won't talk to her about her father. Won't give her any insight. Won't won't open up to her. Keeps her at a distance. So that gives Thon this easy in to manipulate her and say, well, your mother won't let you see your father. Your mother won't let you understand him, but I can help with that. Yeah, what so, if what if I told you there was a way that you could save him? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think that Nora is a villain. I don't think she's working with Thorn. I think she's um being misled and being misguided because you get that whole thing when Barry tells her, Oh yeah, Thorn killed your grandmother and she's like, Oh crap, I didn't know that And then suddenly that kind of alters her point uh, alters her perspective of him a little bit. Or at least that's the impression you get. Um, although what he has planned for her couldn't say although uh, Sherlock Wells was clued into it from fairly early on because he was suspicious of her pretty much from his first appearance I mean it's always it's always the rule in these programmes and it seems to be a theme across many of them this year is curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal yeah. um, you know I, I think every show this season pretty much has a new person that's ready to betray the group at any point um, so, or or betray the main character at least. It's sort of been a running theme. So when it popped up, I was like, okay, well, eh, I wasn't one hundred percent expecting this, but I was expecting something to come out of it. Um, like I you say, Nora's I don't. The one I, likely to be betrayed, though. I, oh yeah, I mean, definitely she is being manipulated into position. I do not think that she's sitting there going, okay, I'm gonna manipulate the timeline and do all this for nefarious ends. I think it'll simply be that Fawn has told her this is the only way you can get your dad back and yeah. there will be a side benefit to Fawn which will involve him being out of whatever sort of cell prison thing he's in and being out and about in the wild again as a villain. Yeah. Um, now, whether he then goes after her or whether he then goes after Barry or what, he does. I mean, you could see the end of this season basically being him getting out and disappearing off, and he will be the bad for the next season. I actually think he might be the bad for the second half of the season. That I think is the Cicada plot is potential, reaching yeah. its end. Could be. I mean, it gets us back to speedster villain territory, but um, it still has uh, potential, especially if Nora, by this point, after gaining the trust of the group, 
um, it suddenly revealed that she's potentially been lying to them the whole time about yeah. a great many things. They'll all start doubting it, and it it puts that turmoil in. Because as much as it's not been one hundred percent happy families throughout, um, they'll have grown closer the whole time. So by the time they discover her betrayal, because I'm imagining they'll take any communication with Fawn as betrayal, even if yeah. it's an innocent one uh, or with good intentions, uh, the fact it's not been disclosed will be enough. Like you say, uh, why do we keep secrets from each other? Lesson yeah. will be discovered once again. <laughs> and uh, I'm okay with another speedster villain if it's just Tom Cavanaugh's part mm. on again. You know, that's that's fine. Um, it's all the kind of lesser copycat sort of speedster villains that I'm not so fussed about uh, but you, you would expect him to keep coming back anyway uh, in one form or another because of who he is and what he represents so, oh yeah definitely yeah. so I'm okay with that if that's and especially if they find another way for him to mess with Barry um, rather than the usual so yeah it's, it's fine I think uh, and the most ham-fisted lesson I can think of with Nora is the episode where she realises that her dad could die. Uh, mostly because it came quite late in this, the first half of the season, and you know they've been on, they've been fighting villains up to this point that could have killed them, and suddenly he sort of dies and has to get his heart restarted on what basically amounts to just a normal day, you know, for a normal, a normal day in the office for the yeah. team, yeah. Yeah, and it's. I get why they were doing it because they wanted to establish that even these kind of mundane threats are dangerous, you know, because it, the the worst enemy they could have is complacency if they suddenly think that oh, this will be easy. Um, that's that's how they could get tripped up and defeated. But at the same time, as well, I was just like, well, she's seen him in danger before. This is maybe a week two or three lesson, you know, uh, rather than later on, but. It kind of worked, and because it, it led to her understanding what motivates Barry to be a hero, because um, it was the whole idea that she kind of fell out with him because he puts himself at risk, and she sees that as at the expense of his family. But he says that he fights for his family, which you know is a believable enough motivation. That's why he does it. He wants to protect. You want to protect everybody, which includes his family, but there's also the you have the scene where it's like, look at all these civilians in danger. Now I understand why you put yourself <laughs> in danger. Because look, they are also families. <laughs> it's it's one of those sort of ham fisted lessons. That was the, the the main one that stuck out as being uh, it's a bit on the nose. Some of the others were, were decent enough. Uh, like Barry's incapacitated by being in a giant air compressed air box. And she has to learn on her own and, and stuff like that. The compressed air box was was a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it all basically amounts to Barry has to do something really stupid and get himself in danger every week so that Nora has something to do and Nora has to rise up to the occasion, which is, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if Aaron was here, he'd uh, wax lyrical about how that's why he doesn't watch the show anymore because every week, you know, they, they have to compromise the Flash's powers and I've kind of almost accepted that. I mean, I don't like it, but I'm at the point where it's like, well, I, yeah. Yeah, but see, the, the, this is the thing when you get into shared universes, when you get into very, very powerful heroes. Um, 
and I, I think we've discussed it umpteen times with the Flash, Arrow, all that. Can you not just call someone else? Are, are these people not on the end of the phone? You know, granted, a lot of the time the risks are, oh no, we've got 25 minutes to solve this problem, or we've got 60 seconds on the clock to solve this problem. There's no way we could possibly involve anyone else. But when you get long-term stuff, you're always thinking, well, why don't they get on the phone to someone and get them over here to help out? Uh, why don't they get advice from from someone? Um, and with heavily powered characters like the Flash, the whole introduction of um, Flash time in the previous season, with the the exploding bomb episode in particular, yeah. um, I think we mentioned at the time, but it almost basically takes away all threats, all times, because you can basically pause, hit pause on the world, <laughs> yeah. have a big long think about the entire problem, uh, go away, have a cup of tea, go for a little wander in a stroll bring a couple of people in to consult, take them away, and then take action. (laughs) You know, assemble your team of experts one by one, update them on the situation, get their advice, put them out the way, and then get on with it. Yeah. Um, And I always feel that when they introduce these things, like, ha, we've got rid of, you know, we've got rid of that problem in that one particular episode. But what they do is basically for every episode thereon, they introduce the problem of people like us turning around and going, but what about (laughs) (laughs) and uh, they just I I, I don't know I kind of feel it's like they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't Um, just take the conceit and go okay well they just didn't in this particular situation or it only works some of the time or whatever you know the son wasn't in the right place or he was having (laughs) a, a bad day and he had a headache so he couldn't do it you know just write a bit of headcanon, like forgive it and and move along. But a lot of the shows are are guilty of that. Well, in the case of um, Flash Time, I think it was Andrew that mentioned it before. But all they have to do say is once he does once he does that for a period of time, he can't do it again for a while because it drains the speed force of the system to the point that it takes a while to replenish because it's. Mm. You know, it's a very intense thing to be doing, but they, you know, it's just, it's just something he never uses anymore until the. I suppose it will get to a point where he has, where he decides to use it. Oh yeah, there'll be another, there'll be another situation that arises, and suddenly it'll be on the table again yeah. because or the writers go, ah, we need to get it. out this box. Yeah. yeah. Um, although they've had that point in the one of the episodes where Nora was like upset about something, and she kind of got over it really quickly because she kind of sped up as she was processing it. Oh, that's true, actually. Did that actually happen? I'm I'm trying to remember the particular episode, but there was something like that, yeah, where she sort of zipped off, zipped back. I'm going to have a think about that, and then accelerates time. It's like, right, I'm fine. (laughs) But that's stuff Barry could be doing more often, actually. It's like, well, this, uh, you know, I'm going to have trouble processing this grief. Uh, Take me a couple (laughs) of seconds, you know. Uh, Because why not? I mean... That's the kind of fun you can have with these sorts of characters. Uh, but instead they just kind of... Oh look, he's slightly too late for that person that was walking towards the bank. <laughs> that 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 bullet has <laughs> yeah. somehow beating him again. Yeah. yeah. Just, I don't know, I wasn't paying attention or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that guy has tripped him up. <laughs> 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 so. 
Although on the the flip side of it, I mean, it was kind of cheesy, but I liked it where he had to do the company baseball game. Yes. To pretend that he was not powered at all. And he just, <laughs> like, was useless. That was funny. It's, it's one of those ones where you're like, okay, take the powers off the table, and he can't catch the ball, and he can't make it in time. <laughs> Well, they mentioned it in season one when he'd lost his powers and he's like, you're slow for a normal person. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, yeah, the idea that Barry is just, yeah, if it wasn't for the speed force, he would be uh, unathletic and, and kind of useless and kind of dweeby. And that's fine. You know, that's I suppose that's his disguise, kind of. Yeah, when you were talking about uh, why don't we just call X to deal with said problem, it's like the cicada thing. Uh, it's clear that he can sap meta-human powers, which includes Barry's. So Kara is your natural port of call for that one, surely. Yeah, um, there was there was also bits like, uh, oh, we don't have a satellite, so we can't watch him walk out the building. And you're like, well, doesn't Diggle work in a big military facility with satellites that you could just go, <laughs> can you just like wind the video back a little bit, pal, and let's see where this guy goes, yeah. please? Yeah, that's you know they've got people like that available. Even even when you take like the whole superpower figure out the the equation, you're like, I'm sure there's someone that could get us access to a satellite right now. Um, yeah. Although yeah. I did like the the brief period they were without satellites because they were on the seat of their pants a bit. They just you know that it meant that those threats were a threat again because they had to be more reactive. Because yeah, it was yeah, yeah. it was just use facial recognition and find everybody. Yeah, facial recognition and a little hotspot tracker that would plop up and go, oh, there's one, uh, off you go. And that was before they had caused a fire or broke into a bank yeah. or... Yeah. yeah. Whereas after that, it was react to the Twitter feed. Yeah, they, they had to listen to it on the news and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then they discovered, oh yeah, remember that network of satellites that's uh, sitting in orbit not doing anything? Uh, we could just use them. <laughs> It's like, all right, so were those satellites built in with like facial recognition and all these other stuff that they don't need? Well, it's just a soft. It's just a software update, isn't it? You know, of course, of course, when uh, Devoe sent them up there, he added like massive cameras to them and all that when they didn't really need them for his mind control. (laughs) Yeah, for his mind control uh, device. When his entire plan revolved around the fact that he was never going to use those satellites, they were decoy satellites. Yeah. <laughs> They're just to trick you. Uh. Yeah, let's not talk about season four. Yeah, let's not. Let's Remember not how Ralph's supposed to have other powers? Yeah, let's not talk about that. Let's not. Let's not go yeah. there. <laughs> Crazy. Um, I, th- I think having Nora around has made Iris a bit more mature. Um you know, I like I like some of the things that they've done with her this season. Uh, the bit where it's like suppressing her powers. I'm like, well, of course, Iris did that. And then the reason that she gives, or she's like, I don't know what my reasons are, but I must have had a good reason because I trust my instincts. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, I still believe that you're you're probably overreacting or you know being selfish or whatever else. But I understand that you think that you're you're doing the right thing, so that's okay. You know, at least she's consistent. Um, but I like. I also like that she didn't apologise for a decision that she hasn't made yet, because she understands why that she might have made that decision based on the available information. So she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume I've not made a mistake here, and that I had to do this," which may be a little short-sighted. Although she's also 
well, the thing I think having Nora around is sort of she's an avatar for the problems the shows the show has. So her presence is making Iris want to be a better person, which actually turns bad characterization into quite good characterization, because before she was really problematic, you know, really selfish, really entitled, and so on. Whereas Nora being about is making her recognize that those characteristics do exist and she's actively trying to fix them now so well done writers for managing to acknowledge your character problems without just overwriting them because you see that in so many shows where this character's so much better this season because the writers listened even though there's no reason for the character to be better because they are people and nothing has really changed in their lives they're just suddenly decided to be better people because the audience doesn't like them um, and I like that. I, I like that you can sort of meta commentary. I suppose you know, they, Nora serves as meta commentary that isn't obvious, and I, I think that's done wonders for Iris. No, definitely. I think that the it's allowed her character to grow a bit. It's allowed her to. I think I always go back to what the writers plan for the character and I think they, they've they always struggled to give her something to do they went okay she's going to be a journalist out in the field uh, uh, right we've got to try and involve her in more of the show she's going to be in Star Labs she's going to sort of take the take the con and start calling out the, the shots from, from in there but what 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 do we do with her now what, what, how do we develop her and let her grow from there she's got to learn lessons about what she's doing at Star Labs, well, we've kind of done a bit of that. So, you know, I think this is a great natural step and it sort of pushes the fast-forward button on our relationship with Barry. It pushes uh, fast-forward family-wise by giving her a daughter and allows them to sort of explore that without going and having... Especially with... um, Oh, um... Lucille? Yes, Lucille. No. Cecile. <laughs> I'll just, I just look back and page right. Yeah, Cecile, not Lucille. Cecile uh, being uh, pregnant and getting the baby at the same time, they couldn't go, oh, we're going to make them parents now. You know, they're married, so the next step's kids. Um, they've just done a whole pregnancy arc on the show. The writers aren't going to go, okay, well, well, now we're going to make her pregnant, make her a mother, make her... So this this is a great way of, of, of doing it and bringing her along and, and bringing the character along. Yeah, uh, although they missed a huge opportunity to have um, a villain that works for Iris and the Spencer, you know, the blogger one with, I mean, this, we'll, we'll talk about Metatech, what a load of nonsense that is, <laughs> with her, you know, with her magic phone, basically, you know, anything she updates on Twitter comes true or something, she puts on her blog, it comes true, well, yeah. If you, if, you, if you write it in the blog, it happens, yeah. Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like meta human powers, I can understand because it changes someone on a like a biological level and gives them an ability. But how does a phone <laughs> achieve like these abilities? Uh, <laughs> and like, what do, what happens when it's time to upgrade? It's like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, this version of uh, Twitter isn't supported on your phone anymore. It's like, no. <laughs> 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 it's like, uh, yeah, this is a problem that will eventually be patched out. <laughs> I mean, it'll take five to ten years, but but we'll eventually be over it. It's fine. Uh, 
it looks like all these emojis have taken like every time you use the fire emoji you're burning buildings down it's yeah. it's like what is, what is <laughs> yeah so all um, these all these eggplants dropping from the sky it's it's what's going on. but she was well i mean the the allusion to the whole fake news thing is obviously well it's painfully obvious um subtlety is not the strong point of any of these shows i mean i that's something we'll discuss in detail during Supergirl chat, if and when that happens. Mm. But the the idea is, right, she's sensationalising things in order to get hits, right? How many people on the internet do that? Uh, everyone, except me, apparently. <laughs> because, or maybe I just don't do it very well. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> No so, comment, boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what you've got is Spencer, who's you know essentially what the opposite of what Iris is supposed to be, because Iris is supposed to believe in truth in journalism and believe in posting the the facts and whatever else. And I mean, you've had no evidence of how good a journalist she is, because I mean, what you've what the biggest exposure we've had is if you pause the screen at. When she's re- when when that article is displayed, that keeps changing about the flash missing in crisis, you know, uh, that's about the only thing that we've had exposure to that she's written. So we don't know that she is any good at her job. I mean, the show wants us to think she is because she always kind of goes in and be like, "I'm going to be a journalist today instead of whatever," and then suddenly, I don't know, she writes a story and people mm-hmm. read it and and whatever else. So. In, a, in an ideal world, you would have Iris on the side of right and Spencer on the side of wrong, and somehow Iris manages to manages to beat her by sticking true to her, you know, sticking tr- sticking to her guns and and not like trying to sensationalise the news. When, which would have been a bogus ending, I suppose, because that's just not how it works. <laughs> You know, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, if the defeat had been more down to uh, prove the truth and and a, a journalistic battle, if such a thing can exist, but well, I mean, Irish beat her by discrediting her so that no one yeah, needs her anymore. Yeah, right, you know, write write the truth with evidence so that she can't refute it. Um, yeah, I, I suppose it could have could have went down that way. I also like the element of. Oh no one, no one uses it like that anymore. It's all about it's all about this technology, the way this works, and you know your blog's looking a bit out of date, and I'm doing this just you know a bit better than you are. <laughs> it's like you're a ha- you're a has been already. You know you've yeah. you've been doing it for five minutes. That's it. It's all right. Someone using the yeah, and it's like oh look that uh, that disturbance you dealt with, Barry. Oh look, there's already a twelve hundred word story, and you finished it like twelve seconds ago. <laughs> it's like I, I, I write quickly, but. 1200 words in like five seconds just is not possible and if it is possible that content ain't going to be any good it just isn't because you've written it in five seconds um but yeah that was i mean that was in theory the most interesting story they could have given to iris and i I don't understand how they managed to mess that up particularly since they're trying to focus on her career as a journalist in this particular season um they did a better job in the mid-season finale, such as it was, with uh, you know, with her and Barry teaming up and her doing the sort of journalism thing by um, when they went to that party just so they could dance because it was like <laughs> date night, and it's and 
Barry was super excited about working with her on this case. And it's like, you work together on cases every week. You're not sick of the sight of her by now. <laughs> Surely you work together, that... you live together. <laughs> Surely there's a the story that you should be telling is, Barry, I need a day off. Can I just? <laughs> can we just work on different stuff for a few hours? Like, <laughs> I mean, I saw you at breakfast, which was an hour ago. <laughs> I'm going to go out with my gaggle of friends and go out for drinks. Uh, yeah. That's where I'm going to go. <laughs> Iris has no friends. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody has any friends outside of that crowd, uh, other than other superheroes from other universes, I suppose. That's true, actually, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Iris, better, but they're still missing a trick here and there. Uh, I was impressed with what they were doing with Caitlin until she met her father. The build-up to it was better. But once she she met her father, it was like, oh, look, he's clearly a villain. And look how cheesy he is. And he's going to turn on this MacGuffin machine thing for some reason that I've now forgotten. And, <laughs> yeah. Because um, I, I like that Caitlin's issues aren't focused on whatever random love interest she has this year. You know, which evil slash dickish slash about to die love interest is she going to be saddled with this year? And they've moved away from that and they've started exploring her past and what makes her kind of the way she is. And you've got this bit of extra weird mythology around Killer Frost that I still don't like. I, uh, I still find it weird. I, I keep feeling that they're tying themselves in knots trying to explain what they did after Flashpoint, where they went, oh, and by the way, they, they have powers now. Yeah. <laughs> and and we're not quite going to explain how, but they do. And now they're going, okay, right, we'll try and explain now. And this is why it, it involves uh, secret bases and miracle cure medicines. And that's the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was weird. I mean, I think the, the, the problem was the episode where she met her dad, it was all very surface level. It's like, let's have that scene where they reconnect. Let's have that scene where this happens. Let's have this scene, you know, where the villainy is revealed. Let's have Cisco be suspicious. Let's, mm. you know, like all that. And it's like, okay, these are the scenes you need to have, but you're not giving us anything more to it than that. So it's like, here's a quick conversation between uh, between Caitlin and her dad that she's having. Fine. Uh, but what is there to that other than the fact that they're having a chat? Nothing. Yeah, it's, it, like you say, it's like they had the the bookmarks that they had to do to complete this particular story, and it made it proce- it, it made it proceed too fast. Yeah, and then they explain the whole split personality thing is because she has the same disease her dad has ALS. So their killer frost exists because her dad tried to treat ALS, like the early onset details of ALS. And then it somehow resulted in her having cold powers and a split personality. Um, And then there was obviously the hint that, well, the the strong hint that, of course, her dad must have a split personality as well. You know, it's it it didn't really work for me. It was it it was one of those ones where you're like, of course, he's going to turn out to be a villain. He's been hidden away for years and years uh, out of the way. And of course, he's got some sort of 
plan that he's going to enact. The plans are always pretty vague, and you're thinking, oh, it's like, it, it, it could have been a, a bit more there. And even if they had, I'm going to say dragged it out, and it's not really what I mean, because I'm sure I would then criticise it the other way around and go, well, what was this all about? Yeah. But even if they had spread it out across a couple of episodes, you know, do one where they find him, get the the medicine that they require and get it all sorted out, get the research and work it out, find him, reintroduce him as a character, you know, get them, do the getting to getting to know you bit in the background for a couple of episodes have the hint of, oh, I've been out with my dad or I've been to see my dad or whatever, and then do the, okay, now the betrayal section that's been working up. You know, I think maybe that would have made it seem more natural rather than rushing it out. But the thing is, they've got so much ground to try and cover that maybe it's better just to get it all done because, like I say, I'd probably then complain the other way around. (laughs) Yeah. Although the... It is vaguely interesting that her dad was, or the the split personality was pretending to be her dad the whole time, and um, the claim that the split personality or the her dad's personality has been lost all those years ago. I suspect that won't be the case, and he'll come back, and she'll be able to get through to him and stuff. But it's in theory interesting that that happens. Although what isn't interesting is we get Killer Frost back, and the annoying thing is. I was kind of okay with the whole she has to wear this doohickey on her head to talk to Killer Frost because she's kind of buried deeply. And I was like, okay, this could be okay. This could be a good way for Caitlin to come into her own again and start to feel a bit more like herself. And then it's like, in the next episode, I can talk to Killer Frost without this doohickey now. And then another episode later, oh yeah, she just comes out now. It's fine, we're fixed. And it's like, missing a lot of development here you're just (laughs) you know you've given us the three highlights of this connection in like the space of three episodes and you haven't earned any of them yeah and it was the same when there was the oh i can't believe she's god you know we used to leave each other love letters and notes to each other and all this sort of stuff and you're going okay well that was never explained before that seems relatively new yeah it's yeah it it's a bit weird, but I think they didn't want... Uh, the whole thing comes round to the fact that they didn't want Caitlin as a villain for the rest yeah. of time. And they went, okay, well, we now either need to make Killer Frost disappear, which we don't want to do, or we've got to make her a good guy. And that's exactly what they did, yeah. Yeah. Well, what did really work about it was the the focus on the Cisco and Caitlin friendship, because it feels like that's kind of fallen a bit by the wayside lately, but it's really well done you know the the bro- almost brother sister bond that they have um gets let out for a bit of fresh air and you've got all this stuff about cisco is in real pain for some reason because his powers are on the fritz or or whatever and uh he's happy to subject himself to that pain if it helps caitlin even though it may kill him and you have the fake death thing which didn't really work for me i suppose but um yeah, it was it was great to see them bounce off each other like in the old days again. That was that was really strong. That that that's the good thing about it, and it's. I think the the whole thing that he hasn't wanted to trouble Caitlin because she's had her own problems. Yeah, you know he's had those those cuts in his hand the whole time that keep reopening the wounds that keep reopening, 
and he's not been bothering Caitlin about it because she's got her own problems. It's the kind yeah. of thing that your know, family do or friends do. Is the, I, I'm not wanting to bother you because I know that you've got enough on your plate already, even if I need it. You know? Yeah. Although, and he's being a, a good friend, even though it doesn't make him seem like he's being a good friend from Caitlin's perspective because he is suspicious of um, mm. Thomas. That's his name. She's suspicious of him. He's suspicious of Thomas immediately um, and won't let it go. Which obviously upsets Caitlin because it's like, it's my father, can't you just be happy for me? And he's like, well, no, because I think something's going wrong here and I'm going to find out what it is, even if, you know, and it ultimately proves to be the best for her because his instincts are right, but it also kind of creates a little bit of friction because Caitlin is blindly believing that her dad is everything that she wants of him when he obviously isn't. Well, it's it's one of those ones where, you know, if it's too good to be true, it probably is yeah. uh, situations. And, you know, from her point of view, she might see it as Cisco being a bit jealous that it's working out this particular way or that she's getting to reconnect with her fa- father, but, and, you know, blind to any flaws that she can see because it's her dad that she's getting to meet him for the first time and and chat to him and, and reconnect with him. Yeah. Um. Whereas Cisco is also meeting him for the first time in, or not also meeting him for the first time, is meeting him for the first time. Yeah. So is is plainly suspicious. Because you, you would question all that. You would look around the lab. Cisco's a scientist as well. Yeah. So we'd look around and go, well, hang on, something this doesn't add up. Why wouldn't you do this this way? Yeah. Why wouldn't you instantly call out and do that? And you've had all that opportunity. You've been watching us <laughs> yeah. in the background the whole time. It's like, well, you know, that's that's not the, the thing of a, a sane man. Yeah. And I was sort of getting the impression that they were trying to dial back on the, you know, Team Flash power level collectively because... Um, Obviously, they benched Killer Frost last season, but she's back now. And they benched Cisco as well, made his powers dangerous to use mm. and all that kind of stuff. But it didn't last very long. So it's like, yeah, he could throw Cicada's ba- uh, dagger into space because of his breach powers, and it seems that the pain's gone now. Um, or it'll come back in a really big way in a few episodes' time. Either way. Yeah, it seems like he can, but when he does, it it takes a toll. So it's not that they can just open multiple breaches and hop around all over the place as, you know, willy-nilly. Apart from where they have their magic breach-creating... Yeah, the little disc thing that that opens opens breaches to to wherever you need them to go, apparently. Yeah. It's it's very convenient mode of mode of transport that they've not capitalised on yet. Yeah, um, never walk anywhere ever again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the same chair getting <laughs> breached into wherever it needs to be. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, that's it. Ever, I just stay on my couch the whole time. <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah. I, like I say, they create these things and then you go, okay, that's going to be causing issues down the line. But anyway, it's fair enough. Well, well it it's initially like, existed to get Kara back, like, to go between universes without worrying about it. But now it just, yeah, we can go anywhere at any time just by pointing it. Yeah, it's... <laughs> and there's no consequences. It doesn't need sort of a lot of charge or anything. It's just, yep, it'll open and it'll shut whenever we need it. There's not even any controls on it. 
yeah, the portals are always open in the right space as well. Yeah. It's like it never goes like through a wall or you know too too high or anything like that. It's just yeah. right at the the right the right spot on a walkway. Yeah, well, we need to get to Earth 38 and we need to find Kara so it'll take us exactly to where she is right now, somehow. <laughs> <laughs> or a few feet away, at least. Uh, yeah, it's what it is. It's one of those conceits that we just have to live with, otherwise we'll be driven insane by this show, which, you know, we have already ha- had happen. Uh, but at least when the when Team Flash's power level was reduced slightly, it was, you know... It, it created different challenges. I mean, you've got two speedsters on the team, but Nora's pretty, pretty new to her powers and doesn't understand them fully yet, and is um, still learning. And um, Barry is distracted by the fact that he has to teach her because uh, he's trying to be a better teacher as well. I really like the way they built that because when he was training Wally, I was getting frustrated by the just how much of a dick he was as a teacher. But I liked it when. Um, he had to contextualise the lessons, you know, when he realised that Nora just wasn't getting it because she was resistant to his his teachings. And you had that episode where he showed her the um, the time he fell over on the treadmill and all this kind of stuff. Because uh, she thinks that he's perfect and he has to... Uh, and that he just always knew how to do it and she's getting frustrated that she can't do it and she has to realise that there is a learning curve to all this and I like that and um, you know and it does help to distract Barry and it sort of depowered the team a little bit because he wasn't getting it either flawed characters are better characters yeah if, if a character's too perfect it, it, it makes it boring yeah. <laughs> it makes it it makes it predictable as well it makes yeah. it very predictable because you it know does. everyone knows what the, the right action's supposed to be yeah. but sometimes you need people to act irrationally you know yeah, because they're in a situation they haven't been in before. Mm. They don't understand how to tackle said situation. They have no experience of uh, being a parent. They have no experience of being a parent to a superpowered child. They have no, you know, no experience of training that child in how to be a hero. Etc. 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 There's all these sort of stuff. Um, the one thing I really didn't like was Cisco crying over Gypsy, and you had that. I mean, that excruciating episode that felt like it belonged to season three where Ralph decided hey I'm going to help you get over Gypsy and I'm like there's no way this episode can be can end up <laughs> and I was right because it was painful Ralph takes Cisco on his like breakup course because he's used to getting over women apparently and um, it's supposed to be funny except it's just painful it's not funny at all uh, and that was kind of harkening back to the lows of season three uh, with the Ralph Dibney that I couldn't stand. Um, mm-hmm. And it was weird because the first episode, because this was the second episode, the first episode did a really good job of rehabilitating him to some degree. Like he seemed like he was tolerable in that episode and then he went back to his old self in the second episode. But then he was fine after that. So it was this weird blip at the beginning of the season where they just forgot that Ralph was getting better. Um and I think having Ralph team up with Sherlock throughout has been good as well. Because he was kind of feeling a bit useless about his skills as a detective. Uh, and working with Sherlock helps him realise, no, I'm good at this stuff. Because he comes up with angles that Wells misses. I, I wondered what are they going to do with Dibney? And I think very, I think I made very clear when we talked about last season that he was not a highlight, a particular highlight for oh, me. Yeah. 
of the last season. Um, I would have quite seen him happily seen him disappear at the end of the, of the last season, never to be seen again. Yeah. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be death. It can be I'm going to go and become a detective elsewhere. Um, but um, yeah, I think they've done a bit of rehabilitation with him. Uh, they've made him a bit less of a a slob, a a, a pig. You know <laughs> the the way he behaves. I mean, they've still got him sort of leering over over women every once in a while, but he's he's not as bad, or at least they're not putting it out there as much as they were. That episode with Cisco wasn't a particular highlight. That, like you say, it was like back to the way he was before. Um, I I still wonder a little bit about quite where he fits in, where the necessity is. But I don't know if it's partly because uh, they've not got as much Joe in the season at the moment, so they still need another sort of detective character roaming about, yeah, uh, to sort of fill fill a void. And that void at the moment sort of being filled in a couple of ways that I don't think they normally would. Uh, but they are in this particular case, um, you know, just because as the as they've had to, you know, it's been required. Um, he's been better. I still don't think he's necessary, which is a bit cruel to say, but is there? <laughs> they found a space for him, though. They, I, mean, I think they have, and they've let him drift into the background a little bit more. I yeah. think I think he was a bit too front and center and taking up time that you think no I, I want I want a little bit more of Caitlin and I want a little bit more of Cisco I don't particularly want to hear what this guy has to say every single time um so especially when the, the gag basically every time was he will say the most rubbish sounding chat up line or yeah. oh I take dates there to the worst restaurant in the world or yeah. you know uh, giving the worst sort of relationship advice that you can kind of thing. Yeah. It's th- that just seemed to be the recurring thing all the time is that, you know, this guy is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Whereas at least now because he's drifted into the back a bit when he's throwing in the odd line it's not too bad because it isn't just an onslaught all the time. Yeah, and that's one of the problems they identified that they just, you know, they're looking to fix a bit and yeah, by making them I suppose, I think Andrew said on our last podcast that he likes him because he's nothing like the other characters. Mm. Although, now he is a bit more like them. And that's kind of why I'm liking him a bit more, because he was insufferable before. At least to me. Um, so it's good. I like I liked his little Spider-Man travelling uh, thing, you know, where he was <laughs> using his arms to swing about. <laughs> that was funny. It, it looked kind of naff, but it was funny. Um, that weird episode where he was fighting that villain that could have been a match for him and then they defeated him off screen uh, that was also the episode where Iris jumped off a roof remember that happening yeah because <laughs> she she was confident that it was definitely going to work yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like all the things you'd have to consider before doing that like, you know, you've only uh, the, the person you're trying to catch is only in one place <laughs> and you could just overshoot that easily. <laughs> I uh, will allow conceit. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those ones. You know, we, we will allow it. It was to uh, help Dora realise that that her mum's a badass. 
there's one there's one there's one particular series in this universe that I let away with absolute murder, so I kind of feel that occasionally I've got to let the other shows away with it too. Yeah. Um so yeah. What do you think of Sherlock? Um, I flip on him quite often. Sometimes I think he's okay, sometimes he bugs me. I think he's much better when he's doing things like being suspicious of Nora but not saying why he's suspicious of Nora and things like that. The long-standing jokes about all these marriages, that, that's driving me insane. Um, stuff like that. Yeah, the sort of the the excuse of why he's here is because he's sending all his money away for the marriages. Yeah, okay, kind of kind of funny but then at the same time I feel I I feel that I, I really like Tom Kavanagh, I like him being involved in the series, he seems like such a nice guy but the, the onslaught of Wellesies, I think I think call time Sherlock is not my, my favourite of the Wellesies that we've had and I was kind of hoping that he was going to be a few episodes thing yeah. and not a season thing, <laughs> but well, it seems he like be. he is. You know, it's it's yeah, maybe it'll be a half season situation. I, I, I'm guessing that he's going to be basically the 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 uh, the rule for Wellesley seems to be that they last a season and sacrifice themselves in the end, <laughs> so so that you need to go for another Wells. Um, yeah, I. I, I I haven't particularly warmed him as a character. I I get the idea. It's very uh, very clever going uh, the the multiverse's best detective. You know, a play on Sherlock. Cool. Yeah. Funny. Neat. I like that he's a bit of a con man as well. The you know I, I, I go from universe to universe, uh, find the identity of Cicada because it's always the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> And then, oh no, this one's different. <laughs> no, what's what's changed? Why why does my normal algorithm not work? Oh, yeah. right, it's because yeah. <laughs> I, I did I did like that. That was like the you know I'm I'm the greatest detective because every time I turn up, the murderer is the same person. You know, it's uh... <laughs> it's a good racket if you can get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just need to, but you need to solve it in the first place. That's that's the only problem. Yeah, or you just latch on to someone else who solved it, and then ah, that's true, that's true. And then you just go everywhere, and you know now. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea that you know the first few times that he went about and did it, he he, he approached it, you know, in the same way and investigated, yeah. and then the next time he turned up, he just went that guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, he's all right. I think he bounces off some characters quite well. Uh, the way he works with Ralph is all right. Yeah, like you say, putting him in with Dibney and and him not having the same sort of street smarts yeah. as Dibney, I think's uh, I think's a, a neat way of doing it. The Sherlock style, um, I can tell exactly where this person is because of wind patterns yeah. and what the weather system was yesterday and the timing of this particular bus route, I have worked out that this person will be standing here and they were called Dave. And, yeah. you know, that kind of deduction makes me go, uh, okay, sure. Um, we'll, we'll let you away with it again. Um, I, like I say, I just, I've, is, as much as it's been neat seeing him interact with other characters, it's neat seeing another Tom Kavanagh invention. Uh, on screen, I yeah, he's he's not my favourite. I, I look forward to him going out in flames by the end of the season. 
French accent's a bit much as well. Yeah, the accent is... Yeah, the yeah. wear's a little thin. Yeah. Uh, another thing it, that I haven't... It is in a low, low, style accent as well. It's not yeah. a... Yeah. The, another thing I haven't liked quite so much is the the really painfully obvious way they're failing to hide the fact that Joe isn't around. <laughs> you know, it's things like... Um, Obviously, the actor has to take medical leave because he's hurt his back, fair enough. And they said they were going to make that part of the story. So, uh, saying that Joe's out for a walk isn't <laughs> making it part of the story. That was the excuse one week. You know, <laughs> Ralph was like, I need, to, I need Joe's help. Where is he? He's out for a walk. And it's like, he has a phone. Yeah, we could just call him and, you know, <laughs> is that, or did you not call before you turned up? Or, yeah. uh, you know... Anything like that? It's it's one of those the the age old oh that person oh you've just missed them they were right here <laughs> what's that oh here's a text from them now they say uh, you know and they say I'll do you know. and a lot of it's been stuff that would obviously have been uh, not so much a Joe story but a part a point in an episode where you'd go well now you get the police detective with the badge to chap on the guy's door and call up and take names. They go, okay, no, we're going to take Iris as a reporter today uh, out to do this. And we're going to take Cecile, the attorney, out to, <laughs> you know, we'll take well, I mean, the DA out, you know, it's not even for the investigation. That. Um, not even the, the kind of plot-specific stuff. It's the character-specific stuff that he was normally mm. the best at. So when, when Nora was not talking to her parents and went to live with Joe. Um, I really liked that moment where she's like, can I stay here for a bit? And and he's like, yeah, of course. And then it's like, we'll talk about that soon though. You know, that gives her the chance to like process it a little bit before he, before he does what he does best and approaches her. And then the next episode, or yeah, be the next, probably the next episode, certainly later on, it's Cecile that does the thing that Joe should do. And it's, you know, he does. She does the thing where it's. I'm going to tell you stories about your dad that are actually about Iris, um, and it helped Nora realize. Yeah, I mean the other the other one was the uh, the Thanksgiving table, of everyone sitting down for dinner. Yeah. In the empty seat. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I wonder who's supposed to be in this scene. <laughs> it's like, let me just go round the table and take the register. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where's Where's Joe? Oh, he's in the toilets. He'll be back in like half an hour. Yeah, he said he was going to be a while. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing against Cecile, but Cecile ain't Iris's mother. So the fact that she's sitting around telling stories that Joe's told her about Iris to Nora uh, adds that degree of separation mm. from the for the conversation. And yeah, it's like, well, I'm going to tell you a bunch of things that Joe told me. And it's like, no, this would mean more if it was coming from him. It would also be a meaningful grandfather, granddaughter moment that would be robbed of because he's not there. And it's hard to like it's hard to bitch about it because it's a medical reason. It's not it's not the writers being like, I think no. Cecile should bond with more people. <laughs> it's he's not here. And imagine if um if Jesse L. Martin had been available, Cecile would probably be cutting about in that story somewhere. But she wouldn't be doing anything. Uh, they'd be there, or maybe they'd be sharing the effort, or sharing the load in that particular thing, or going, "Oh, tell tell her about this other time that Barry did this, or whatever." Yeah, you know, it, it would be a tag team effort, maybe. But it's because because at the end of the day, that is Gran and Granddad. It's yeah. the the thing, you know. So 
it, it makes sense in a, a similar way. I, I get it. We can't really bitch about it because at the end of the day, it's not their fault. The writing around it, like you say, the only thing is, don't say, oh, don't worry, you'll you'll not notice what we've done. Because <laughs> guess what? We we can. There's empty seats on set and yeah. there's a lot <laughs> a lot of bits where you're like, okay, yeah, we totally can notice. Yeah. Not their fault though. I can't I can't knock them for yeah. for sort of doing to it. Deal yeah. with it, yeah. yeah. She just handled it a little bit better. But the the thing is, it also makes Cecile look like she doesn't really care about her new baby because she's never <laughs> seen with it. It's like it's like well, Joe's out for a walk, so I'll come with you on this investigation. Yeah, could, that that will take hours. <laughs> it's like who's taking care of? I oh, forget about it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> practically take care of himself at this point and you had this weird bit of animosity it wasn't animosity early on but you had this thing where like Cecile was losing her mind reading powers and was upset about it and was try- seeing that as a barrier to connecting with her baby and it's like this doesn't work like no mothers connect with their children without being able to read their minds <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I, I don't know that much about motherhood but I'm aware that you know like not being able to read your baby's mind isn't a detriment to the bond you build with this baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, what could you could your mum not read minds when you were little? No, well, not that I'm aware of. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that hard to figure out what I wanted. You know, I either want fed, changed, or to you know sleep. It's not much has changed, really. <laughs> Those three things still factor in. Yeah, you don't change as often, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> so yeah, Cecile she hasn't really been given anything meaningful to do but also the fact that she's Joe surrogate doesn't really work for me uh, but get well soon Jesse L. Martin because we need you back yeah, yeah, you're missed Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what about Cicada? what do you think of him as a villain? I've actually kind of liked him as a villain I, I was... Not a particular fan right at the beginning in his introduction. And in fact, I think I said to you when when you turned around and went, oh, they've introduced this season's villain really early. I was like, what, is is that the season villain? Is that it? (laughs) I was like, I thought that was like a couple of episodes villain and then we'd get on to the other stuff. But but no, I kind of warmed him a bit when you got the the episode that it wasn't from his point of view, but it kind of went into the backstory, the origin story a little bit. Yeah, the, the Cliff then, Notes flashbacks episode. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I thought that that worked. You know, it, it sort of explained his point of view a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's taking it to extremes, um, but it, it sort of explains and it goes into. It. And sometimes these episodes work. Sometimes they are absolute dire pieces of work where you're going, "I don't understand what's going on here." Um. Like you say, it's difficult for them to come up with villains that work. A villain that basically disables their powers when they get close and can, you know, steal their powers, remove them, and basically kill them immediately. Yeah, is is a villain to take in because you've at the moment got what four, five superpowered individuals on your team that you can zip in at any moment. So you need a, you a guy need, with a knife. He's, and he's yeah a, a guy that can can throw spears around. Now they've they've already got a character that can throw multiple spears around, 
um, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, and you're going to jump in probably because you'll remember, who Killer Frost worked with for ages and who had the big bucket of metal, and I can't remember her name. Aminette. Aminette. There we go. Get Aminette. Sack off, please, yeah, that's it. Uh, so you've had Aminette that can throw multiple lumps of metal around. So if you were to introduce Cicada as a guy with one spear that he can fling around, you would go, well, this is no threat. So they've introduced the, you know, they've got the the power disabling element, which I think adds that extra bit to it. The fact that he he's doing this despite the fact that he doesn't have that much time left, or, you know, presumably he thinks or knows that his um the fact that he's got the scar the way he's chess acting the nurse is telling him that listen you you need treatment you can't be running about like this yeah you know and he thinks that he is gonna solve this problem by himself like i say he's taking it to extremes he's not doing it uh in any sensible way whatsoever there's no um good guys or bad guys in his eyes it's basically all of all of the meta humans have to go i don't know what he's going to do with meta human mobile phones you know meta tech <laughs> i mean if if he managed to get rid of all the meta humans does he then just start smashing people's phones and <laughs> uh, and tablets that have got magic properties i don't know i didn't quite understand it didn't quite gel that he hates all meta humans like the justification it gave you in the episode itself didn't quite work uh, I could understand why he maybe hates the Flash, but all metahumans. You know, I mean, his well, his niece slash daughter was hit by a satellite. Um, but that doesn't really translate into I hate all metahumans. Yeah, I I agree with you. the 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 bit is that the Flash broke up the satellite. And the satellite then split into bits, and his his daughter and himself got hit. Um, so yeah, hate the Flash. I suppose the the element is that you know the Flash is a metahuman, plus there's all these other metahumans and other people that are getting hurt in these metahuman related incidents. So he's going right. This isn't just about him. This is about all of them. Like like I said, he's taking it to the absolute extreme. You go, yeah. okay, how many people have been saved v how many people have been hurt? Um, which is never a cost-benefit analysis that you want to be taking out, but, um, but there it is, you know. And he's went for the extreme point of view. Yeah. He's went, you know, these people are, are going about, they've got no responsibility for their actions whatsoever, no one's held to account for it. I'm going to hold all of them to account. Yeah, um, and it's just one of those things where, so the focus of that episode that you're talking about was to try and establish how close he is to his niece, who's now his daughter, because mm. his brother died. And was it his sister? I think it was his brother. Someone died and left a child and that he's now responsible for. And, you know, at the start he's like, I don't know, this Chinese is like three days old, that's probably fine. And... And then he becomes a better person as time goes on, you know, as, as they get closer. And then, obviously, she's taken from him. She's in a coma, and he kind of reacts poorly to it. But um, I think there is some mention of, like, metahumans up until that point. I think he said something about 
he says something about it, but I can't remember what it is. Uh, just make some kind of offhand remark about them. Um, although I did like uh, that it was supposed to draw a parallel between Barry and him, because they're both unexpected fathers. Although I don't know how well they're going to use that. but And it was one good use of Joe this season as well, where he was like, I think Cicada's a father, the way he was talking about, you know, fatherhood and stuff. So it's that this is the insight you're not getting when Joe's not here. Mm. Um, but I think he's an interesting villain. I, you know, I think he's a little bit sympathetic for the most part. Um, obviously, you know, killing people because he feels like it isn't a good thing, but I can sort of understand that he's a man in pain and doesn't know what to do with it. Um, I don't know how that'll contribute to his downfall, but yeah, I just don't know. I, I think it's um, it's interesting so far, and I think they've done so much work to build him over these eight episodes. Uh, like I said, it would normally be about episode 16 that we would feel about this far on with the, the villain story in previous seasons. Mm. So I think it's great that we've moved this quickly, which leads me to think, I don't think there's a whole half season of this villain left, though. Because what's it going to be? Like, he goes and kills a metahuman, they narrowly escape with their lives because they've failed to figure out a way to stop his dampening powers. And although you've got Killer Frost, who's immune to it because she's not a metahuman and never has been, weirdly. But, <laughs> like, what the hell is she then? If she's not a metahuman, <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, well, they've, they've kind of given you the metagene thing. So there's, like, no, there's now a sub, yeah, a subgroup again, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if whatever it is that criteria means that she can't, uh, she can't be dampened by him, which again give Kara a call. I mean, I suppose you can't contact Oliver. He's currently in prison, <laughs> you know, as uh, <laughs> up until that point. But um, I don't know. Dick could give you a hand, I suppose. Uh, he can shoot him. <laughs> yeah, uh, at, at, the, at the moment he's not allowed to go about in his outfit. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's. So it's very strong, and I think he is. I mean, he's not terrifying, but I quite like the the sound effect. You know, the that sounds like a cicada. Oh, the rasp, or, yeah, yeah, sort of rasping yeah. breathing, and, yeah. And how um, Sherlock uses that to figure out that he's um, he's unhealthy. You know, he's got his lungs are damaged, and that's an advantage. And then they decide that they're going to watch hospitals on Thanksgiving because people want to spend time with their families. And then suddenly, that gives you the idea for. Uh, who he is. And I mean, the thing is that they get close, he's had the most chances of anyone, you know. It's yeah. like, <laughs> it's like you know, it's, it's you know, he just strikes lucky each time and he gets missed. And a part of that wound me up a little bit. I was like, oh, come on, at this point they've got it already. You know, they know exactly who he is. Surely, surely they're going to get him. It's like, oh, no, they get they get distracted at the last minute and they don't well, know. Well, it's the bit him. where Barry goes to the hospital and he's, like, hiding behind the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, oh, just missed him. You know, let me just pause time and have a look around this door to be nosy. <laughs> nope. All right. Okay. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this guy? And then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's interesting so far, and I think that they need to, they need to give you some kind of payoff to the father-daughter thing, because um, obviously they've made it a part of his character, so it has to be part of his defeat somehow. Maybe he's. Niece slash daughter wakes up and he realizes the her- error of his ways. I don't know. Um, I I can, I can imagine almost like uh, Caitlin and Cisco working out a way that he could use his powers to save his daughter, um, yeah. to save Grace. Because you, you, it, it must be 
well, obviously it's to do with the satellite, but you know what I mean. I imagine there's some sort of sideways way where working, working together, um, you know, they can maybe get her out of her coma, and that might be the kind of thing that that clicks them onto. Oh, not all metahumans are evil. That it wasn't all intended to be this way, and I don't know. I imagine it being something along that time. Um, speaking of his noise, his breathing, that wasn't yeah. the villain with the worst noise of the whole season. And it's it's one of the, the scribbles on my book, Ragdoll, The Noise, oh, in yeah. capital letters. <laughs> what, the, um, the cracking bones? The, the cracking, creaking, horrible noise. <laughs> that had me just, ah, no. No, 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 no. I did not like that noise like, at all. A contortionist who won America's Got Talent or was on America's Got Talent or something like that. I've I've seen people at the Edinburgh Fringe that do sort of contortion and shape their bodies into all sorts of things that should not be possible. But the good hmm. thing is normally normally as much as it it looks just unworldly to see people twisting that particular way. I mean, I can bend, barely bend over to pick stuff up. Never mind, <laughs> <laughs> never mind, sort of contortion in the way that people do or Tying yoga or anything like painful. that. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It's like, but when you're watching it with some music and fancy lighting, fine. When you're just listening to that horrible crunching noise, <laughs> turned up to the max. Oh no, 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 no! I, I, I just couldn't. Great idea for a villain. However, <laughs> no. It's a shame about Ragdoll, though, because he's famous in the comics for having a really distinct and fun personality, which they just don't capture in that episode. The creep factor is pretty cool, though. I think they, I think they made that work really well. Mm. But the, yeah, again, it's just this villain of the week thing. They could have done more with it. Uh, I would say that about all the villains uh, of the week we've had this season. I can't. I mean, they're not particularly mem- memorable. Block was about the, you know, uh, gridlock. Well, Nora said herself, oh yeah, Gridlock, he was a one and done. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I don't know anything about him. You defeated him on your first try. (laughs) It's like, not this time. It's like, ah, why do why does why do we have to watch the crap version of the Flash? (laughs) The one who always fails and then half an hour later somehow wins. You know, uh, so there's that. Um, I think they could have done a bit better with the Weather Witch. But failed on that one as well. Yeah, that was another one of the uh, weird, wacky, metatech kind of uh, <laughs> things, wasn't it? Hmm. Um, yeah. She was trying to kill her dad for some reason, though they don't really tell you why. Yeah, yeah. She, they were. It was the. It was where they sort of did the little twist of, "Oh, I'm breaking him out, not so that he's out and about. It was so so that I can kill him off." Yeah, although she was really good. Um, the actor... Oh, yeah, her, yeah. Rena Hardesty, according to my notes. Uh, she was good. And there's more to her. There's more that could have been done with that. I mean, maybe she can come back and come into her own a bit more, but um, I don't know. Uh, we haven't had our annual Mark Hamill this year, which I'm disappointed by. Oh, there's still time. There's still time, yeah. But normally you get it by now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They've sort of cut down on the villains of the week as well because they're focusing on Cicada and Cicada is the main threat, which is good. You know, he ends up killing most of the villains of the week uh, and that's what puts them on him. But yeah, villains of the week. You know, we're always going to complain about them, I think. I think we're always going to struggle with them. 
It's, it, it introduces a bit of variety. It lets them introduce sometimes some fun characters or little twists that you, you don't expect. Um, I mean, the, 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 the villain factory, you know, they sometimes struggle with excuses, but it, it works. This year it's the satellite. <laughs> yeah. this, this year, bits of, uh, yeah. Yeah, whatever. That is what it is. Uh, we had a milestone. We had our 100th episode. Well, we had our 100th episode. The Flash yeah. also had its 100th episode. But who did uh, it better? Vote now. <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> um, no, the, the, I thought the 100th episode of this show was very surface level. Uh, it's like lit, it was another one of the let's revisit a previous timeline or a procession of previous timelines. And I get the idea of we want to explore where we were to explore where we are now, but they didn't really do anything with it. So you had the Savitar bit. And you get to see, you know, the defeat of Savitar and Nora gets to see Iris kill evil Barry and all this stuff. Uh, and I guess it's to give you, it's supposed to be from Nora's point of view, you see the past through her eyes. Um, I think the best part was after Barry had lost his powers in season two. Uh, and Nora gets to see how supportive Iris is of him and that helps her understand how strong their connection is. Uh, before she existed and stuff but again it was it was all just kind of it never felt like there was that much of an issue with anything you know like and they did some really stupid stuff like when Zoom followed them into the time vortex and it was fine (laughs) I yeah, I, I was kind of thinking, oh, well, that's some, that's some clued up to what's going on now, so he's going to, like, turn up all throughout this and yeah. and and end up ruining the timeline completely because the next time they pop out, it's going to be another key sort of bookmark event in the history of The Flash, and he's going he's gonna to ruin it. And, nope, he just disappears off and you never see him again. <laughs> it's a bit... Yeah. He gets uh, caught by the time wraith, and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's he's caught. He's gone. Okay. Yeah. We don't have to worry about the time wraith again. It's, it's funny yeah, how yeah. Barry travels back in time a year, and the time wraiths are right on him. And then Nora travels back in time like thirty years or whatever it is. And, no one uh, minds. Yeah. No, the time wraiths aren't there. It's like <laughs> you know, some of them are lazier than others. It's, I have written time travel rules and question mark, and I think at this point there are no time travel rules. No, um, there aren't any. Um, I thought it was funny the, you know, Nora travelling back to the her own time thing, and like she's been doused with anti-tachyons, <laughs> and like uh, the explanation of what anti-tachyons are. Tachyons speed stuff up. Anti-tachyons slow you down. Is the the short version? <laughs> yeah. That was that's right. So the wave, the wave rider. If any of that gets near the wave rider, it'll explode. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. All right. So wave riders out. I liked how uh, I liked how Cisco made that as a joke, and it's like actually, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and and fair enough. At least they addressed it because remember last season, it was like if she is stuck in the past, why don't they just put her on the wave rider? And one of the first things that uh, Barry suggests is if worse comes to worst, we'll just Call take her back rider. on the wave rider. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, you come up with a a reason that she can't do that. Fine. I mean, it's all made up crap anyway, so you might as well. So why not? Yeah. Uh, um, 
so but they got rid of that because she was deliberately doing it so that she could stay in the past and all that stuff which yeah whatever the point i was driving at was the time wraiths and where are they mm. and why do they only show up when barry does it maybe they just don't like him maybe that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> you've done this too many times barry yeah, stop it <laughs> And, uh, we let you away with this once. Yeah, and it was a weird MacGuffin about we need to go back in time and t- build, grab these three jigsaw pieces so that we can build a device that will essentially take Cicada's knife off him. And it was like, like, we need a piece of Savitar's suit. <coughs> that, you know, like, whatever that, that thing that... Uh, yeah, whatever that thing that Harry built. And uh, what was the other thing? It was the it was it the serum they need the serum thing was it no I don't know y- yeah because uh, it was the thing from the sp- like the speed force thing that they had made for yeah yeah that that was the yeah that was the one you were talking about Harry's MacGuffin yeah Savitar's suit and when they went back to Wells well no they only went back to Thorn because something Thorn. was broken. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah so the they needed to remake it. it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that was it. Because they don't know any other geniuses that could have done that. <laughs> well, what's that? That's like the second time that they went back to him now. I like, <laughs> yeah, I like that, that the first time it was like, oh, you're here, so it means my plan has failed. I will yeah. change it again. <laughs> and, <then> it <laughs> and this is like the third time. It's like, <laughs> oh, for God's sake. It's like, <laughs> none of my plans worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved how uh, Thorn was like lapping it up. He's like, oh, what's your name? And it's like, Nora? It's like, oh, so you're not Dawn then? Which in the comics, Dawn is one of the Flash's children. Dawn Allen. Uh, it's like twins or something. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, I'll put it in the show notes if I can be bothered finding it. Um, so, the, yeah, you've got... So there's something... The, the implication is that the, the timeline has been changed enough so that Barry has different children. It's like, well, he had it coming. After changing other people's children. Yeah, swapping the sex of everyone else's kids <laughs> every time he goes back in time. He's like, God damn it, Barry. He had it coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um that was a great scene. I loved the the way the three of them worked in in that scene. But I think the hundredth episode I was expecting a bit more out of you know, delivering a bit of context for what the show is and what all the characters are. I mean most of the characters don't get any showcase at all. Um, you know, you don't really, they don't really pay any tribute to Cisco or Caitlin. Iris only has that one scene. Joe isn't even there. Uh, it's your hundredth episode, man. Just give us like reward us for being fans for the past ninety nine mm-hmm. episodes. You know, give us something like Arrow's hundredth episode, even though it came awkwardly in the middle of a crossover, which they <laughs> fixed this year, was way better. They did a, a really good job with you know celebrating everything they'd built. Well, telling a meaningful story about where the show might be going, and the hundredth episode here didn't do that, so it was disappointing. It was a bit. I mean, I always think that it's difficult when they come up with these episodes because they get told, right, well, we've got to kind of include highlights, but not make it seem like it's all sort of stuck together with sticky tape just to sort of do a show reel. Yeah. It's it's one of those. They're very difficult episodes to do. Uh, some go down the fun angle. Some go down sort of weird intro, <laughs> introspective sort of things and retrospective notes and video clips and bits. But yeah, I'd, yeah, they're, they're never they're never the best. I would say. Well, in theory, the 
these episodes should be fairly easy to do, especially on something like The Flash that's already mental. You know, the, the, you've got multiple universes to celebrate. You've got all this stuff you can play with, and even that, even at that, you've just got good characters some of the time that you can use. You know, bring Ronnie back. Why not? Let's you know celebrate yourself a bit. Just kind of, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're going to go with the traveling through time plot, which works, I suppose it helps you revisit these previous moments. I mean, they kind of did it before, but you could go see Eddie. Or you might need Eddie for something. You know, remember Eddie? Uh, as I said, Ronnie. Uh, do a bit of Martin Stein. I don't know, like, anything. I mean, you can you can give context for all these sorts of things. Uh, maybe even have, just have an episode where Zoom is chasing them through time. And he's your villain for an episode once again. Why not? Uh, instead of... Nah, we'll just visit these key points and then we'll end with me standing outside watching my parents. Um, I was like, oh, do you remember that night when you were a kid, Barry, when uh, we called the police because there was a creepy guy standing outside? <laughs> <laughs> you could have seen that happen, you know. Like, it's like, oh, crap, they found the police. <laughs> uh, I wish they'd done that now. <laughs> There's this guy that keeps turning up outside. Yeah, <laughs> watching us. <laughs> yeah, like on random nights, he just keeps turning up and standing outside in a weird red suit. Yeah, well, he was in his like civvies at that point. But, like, <laughs> I guess they've done away with like the combusting shoes uh, that you know that that happened before. Anytime he runs when in casual clothes, it doesn't combust his shoes anyway. Yeah, head head cannon Cisco makes some special trainers. I don't know. Yeah, he he doctors Converse. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't really have that much to say about the 100th episode because it was, I mean, it was fine. There was moments in it that I really liked. But also, the, you know, I think there was an opportunity there that the show just didn't take advantage of, that the writers didn't play around with too much. Which is a shame. It's a pity. Oh, there was a really great moment in the 100th episode now that I'm thinking about it. It's the scene where Eobard, Thorn, Wells interacted with Cisco in the past just before the particle accelerator explosion that was the third thing we had to go back to the point of the particle accelerator yes. explosion to infuse the thing with the thing with dark matter Cause there's that's no what place. it was Yeah. <laughs> so like they had to just they had to go into the time vault and do that um, and then they had that tension of Thawne about to walk into the time vault and catch them and then Cisco goes to speak to him and you had that really good moment and uh, I mean, he says, I have a good vibe about you, you know, which is <laughs> but whatever. And then, you, obviously, the episode ends with um, with uh, Nora revealing that she um, is working, or at least manipulated by Thon in some way. So it was a good episode for you about Thon. You got to see him in three different iterations of himself. That's true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to see him as, like, the deliciously evil chew- scenery-chewing Thon, you got to see him as the pretending to be Wells and grooming Cisco Thon, and then you got to see him as like whatever the future version of him is. So it's good. Um, in that respect, is, it, is that a future version, past version, duplicate version, well, separate know. He, version? Who knows? Future. It's like there's yeah. there's so many of them roaming about. <laughs> yeah, you just have no idea. Yeah. So, what do you think we're going to get next? Uh, in the coming episodes, what do you think? Where do you think the season's going to go? Um, 
Um, I think we're going to have the... I think Sherlock has definitely worked out that Nora isn't telling the full truth. I don't think he knows that she's working with someone outside, but I think he'll... I think he knows that she's working with someone outside, but he doesn't know exactly who. And I think he's going to end up... There's the that he's translated her time language. There's the potential that he's worked it out, or he's worked out some of the code of what she's saying. And he might not know who. And that, I think, will be treated at first as a betrayal of everyone else's trust. Yeah. Uh, before they find out who Nora has actually been working with, in which case they'll go, all is forgiven. Uh, we need you back, you know. Um, I think there's going to be a bit of that going on. You're going to have the inevitable betrayal stuff going on. Um, looking forward to seeing Fawn in it. Looking forward to him. But, you know, I, I don't know. I think I'll go with your theory that, you know, we're going to get the conclusion of the Cicada storyline. Uh, I've sort of given my rough theory as to what's going to happen. He's going to have to discover that not all metahumans are completely evil. I don't think he's going to be sort of taken out in a uh, a load of flame at the end or rolled into prison. Uh, I think it's going to be a an attempt at redemption kind of thing where he'll hand himself in rather than... It'll end with him handing himself in rather than going out in, in a fiery <laughs> inferno. Well, if his lungs are like stuffed as well, and he's the potential, or the yeah. the implication is that he's dying, like Grace is going to have to have someone looking after her because presumably she will wake up at some mm. point. And I suppose the obvious choice is that nurse. I think I think it'll be the nurse. I think there's yeah. a potential that because he's dying and he knows he's dying, there'll be a way that he can sacrifice himself that will allow Grace to live. Yeah, and I think that's potentially how he's going to go out if it's not a sort of team effort to save her then I think that's how he's going to go out. Yeah, could be. Yeah, I'm actually not sure where the season's going. I'm fairly sure there isn't much left of the Cicada plot because from here on out, it's building up to a resolution, so there's nothing, nowhere else to go with it other than Cicada's going to kill this metahuman. We have to stop him. Oh, look, he's taken our powers. Oh, look, Killer Frost was unable to defeat him this week. Oh, look... We narrowly <laughs> escape with our lives, and it's you know I, those are, those are the titles of all the episodes <laughs> coming up. And if, if we just have ten episodes of that, and then uh, nah, I don't want that. Uh, um, I threw a lot of basically everything out there, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's yeah. it's not going to be the full the full work. Yeah, so they'll stop Cicada. I'm going to say within three or four episodes. And then they'll replace him with whatever the main threat of the season is going to be, which could be Thawne, or maybe Thawne will only come into play in the last couple of episodes, which means you need an interim threat, which could be anything, really. Um, they haven't been building anything else up, that's the thing. Um, usually you can sort of see in the background what might be considered a, a decent threat coming up, and I suppose Thawne is that, but... Um, I don't know what you could do for an entire season, you know, and, and obviously you need to have the weekly set pieces where the Flash has to run into action and stop something from from killing a lot of people. And, you know, if you just do week after week of Villain of the Week, it will be, it'll get tedious. Um, even if you do reveal that Thorn is uh, behind it all. 
maybe we'll get the Grodd versus King Shark fight that Nora teased. You have to to wait and see that. That'll be awesome. It's like, yeah, we're saving up now. Uh, Special effects budget. It'll it'll all happen off screen. Everyone going, oh my god! (laughs) It'll be just reaction shots from everyone else instead of seeing the fight. (laughs) They might take some time to set up Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think if it's going to be as big as they are teasing it is going to be, and that they're basically well, they've been teasing it for a big while now. The the Flash vanishes in Crisis sort of headline that's been going there so they've been teasing it for ages really yeah. if you if you take it that they were planning it um that long so yeah i, I think they might they might drop some little bits i think a lot of the shows are going to drop little hints and bits and pieces in the background maybe um i think if they're truly building up towards it then they will yeah. start dropping little things in yeah so we'll see i'm not quite sure where it's going and i'm uh and I'm confident that they're actually going to deliver us something that's halfway watchable as well. You know, I'm not um, I'm not pessimistic about the future of the Flash, which is good. But I don't know what's actually going to come uh, next, other than more cicada. <laughs> but you know, that's a given. More cicada, some kind of Nora's the reasoning behind Nora's stuff. I'd love to see. Uh, Nora historical episode you know maybe uh, you, you flash back to when she first gets her powers you know, I think I think we, out and, and build from there yeah I think we'll get a bit of a, an origin thing when she discovers that her powers have been inhibited and yeah. um, eventually her going up to Fawn that might be like I said earlier on that might be the episode that we get from kind of her point of view it might be when she sits down with everyone and explains why she's done what she's done Sort of half yeah. narrated over that. I'm guessing something along those lines, though it might be a bit different. Who knows? Yeah, and you might get to see older Caitlin, older Cisco, older mm. Iris, etc. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to predict, which is good. Don't want to be too predictable. What do you like? We've put, we've put enough theories out there. I think we've covered every eventuality. Yeah, more or less. All, all we've got to do now is say um, it's all a dream. Barry's been in a coma the whole time shock twist plot reveal (laughs) Uh, what what other theories (laughs) we've pretty much put everything out there now we're sorry explain the first two seasons of Arrow and the 90s Flash it's like (laughs) you know it's like uh, Deep Space Nine when they suggested that Deep Space Nine was just all in some guy in the 50s a science fiction writer science fiction writer in the 50s head and it's like what, the entire Star Trek franchise? Like, no, just Deep Space Nine, which is a spin-off <laughs> from the entire Star Trek franchise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he did a lot of world building in his he head. He really did, but he only <laughs> thought about Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I don't know. That's a separate discussion. <laughs> so, on that note, uh, we should wrap up, because I don't think we've got anything else to cover. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, so we'll be back talking about The Flash at the end of the season. Unless there's an episode that comes up that just dazzles us so completely that we have to do um, an episode on that itself. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet, but, you know, could happen. And by dazzles, it could be that bad that we have to talk about it right there and then. Uh, who knows? Uh, one of these times we've just got to pick, uh, pick names and numbers out of a hat and just go, right, what have we picked out? We've picked out Arrow, 
uh, we've picked a free. So in three weeks' time, we'll talk about that random arrow episode. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if listeners wanted to donate to the page so that we can afford not to work, and then we can talk about the episodes every week. <laughs> can you ima- imagine? Imagine getting this every week per episode. <laughs> imagine. It okay. could be all yours. Just click that lovely donate button on the website. We'd be hitting we'd be hitting milestones every six months. Just <laughs> the three hundredth episode, which was two months ago. The four hundredth episode, two months after that. You know, nah, every, people would get annoyed. But uh, no, I'd love to just do this full time. So donate. Yeah, neilbeforeblog.co.uk. Donate. Yeah, and then we'll talk about the Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, Black Lightning. And uh, Legends of Tomorrow every single week. How about mm. that? And Batwoman when that starts. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Chris, thank you for joining. Thank you. I'm off back to my place in either the past, the future, present, and either current universe, different universe, or one of the other many universes. Yeah, you do that. Uh, you've done it enough damage. So that was our discussion on the first half of Season 5 of The Flash. Thanks to YouTubers Neil Stenson for his cover of The Flash theme and Dagma for his other cover of The Flash theme. If you like what you heard, then hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please do leave us a star rating and a comment. If you want to talk about this or anything else, then you can get us on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or you could leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod.